In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Three in One who comes to us and gives Himself as an assurance of His own promise. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we've had a few days since Ash Wednesday. How are those Lent things coming along? I gave up some stuff that, um, I gave up coffee in the morning, like I was saying before, and um, I've been sticking to it, but it hasn't been easy. But that's a promise that I made. I said, I'm going to make this promise in order to, um, in order to remind myself of Jesus every time that I'm like, oh, wow, I could really use a cup of coffee right now. Instead, I say, okay, I'm not going to do that, and so I remember Christ and what Christ has done for me. Well, that's a commitment that I've made for uh, the next 40 days, give or take a few. And, um, and so that is my commitment during this Lent. And maybe you've made a commitment like that this Lent. Maybe it's praying more. Maybe it's giving something else up like chocolate or whatever. Whatever it is, you've made that commitment. Of course, you know that you're bad with commitments. Because it hasn't been that long since New Year's was here, and you made all of those promises about, well, I'm going to stop doing this and stop doing that and stop doing that. In fact, for a long time, what I did with Lent was I just sort of re-upped all of my New Year's resolutions going, well, I've totally just uh, done a horrible job with those so far. Now I'm just going to sort of recommit myself, and, and we'll have relent be like this recommitment thing. And oh yeah, then it's only for 40 days instead of for the whole year, so it's a double bonus. Um, and, and a lot of people do that. A lot of people try to do things, and essentially what you're trying to do when you're making a lot of those commitments is that you're trying to affect your behavior today, believing that your future self is going to appreciate the fact that you altered your behavior in the past. And so we do silly things in order to make that happen, because we know that we just don't have the willpower in order to do it by ourselves. And so we'll do all sorts of other stuff. And all sorts of other stuff uh, that's actually become a booming industry, believe it or not, It's called commitment devices. And commitment devices are essentially anything that you can get in order to help you keep those commitments that you've made. And so they can be uh, sort of non-intrusive commitment devices, sort of like um, I I have an app on my phone that has all of my New Year's resolution things that I'm going to do every day. And every time that I do one, I can hit check and I can go back through my week and I can go back and say, oh, I'm such a great guy. I've done all of these things. Or like what happens most weeks, I am a poor, miserable sinner. Look at how much I have forgotten to do X, Y, and Z. Well, that's one very sort of low-level form of a commitment device. There's another commitment device that I think is really cool. It's uh, called Gym Pact. And Gym Pact actually also works on your phone. And what it does is it, uh, it works with the GPS on your phone. So you have to have a GPS-enabled cell phone to do this. But you sign up for it, and you say, I am going to go to the gym Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And I promise to do that. In fact, I promise to do that, and I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. And I am going to say, if I do not go to the gym on Monday, Tuesday, and Friday, 
uh, I am going to pay $5. Going to be automatically taken out of my bank account. Uh, and uh, there, there's even a, a greater thing. Because if you're one of those lazy people, then yeah, you get rid of your $5. I'm sorry. Um, but if you're not a lazy person, then all of that money gets pooled and redistributed Acts 2 style to everybody who actually was working out. That's why they use the GPS thing to make sure that you're actually going to the gym and you're not just lying and saying, yeah, I got there. Well, that's kind of ramping it up a little bit. That's another kind of commitment device. But the state of Missouri has an even bigger commitment device, and it's for people that are recovering gamblers. What the state of Missouri actually allows you to do is put yourself on a watch list for casinos. And if you go to a casino and you've put yourself on this watch list saying, don't let me into a casino, if they find you in a casino, they will charge you with a misdemeanor. Trespassing. And they will kick you out, and not only that, they will take all of your winnings and confiscate them. And all of those commitment devices should just prove to us that we just don't have a lot of willpower. All of those commitment devices prove to us that we need something else from the outside trying to make us do certain things. Because we know that we can choose to do a lot of those things on our own when we're just sort of thinking about them. But when it actually comes to the act of the will of actually going out and doing those things, we're just not very good. Even the person with the best willpower in here probably is struggling, saying, Oh, I totally remember that thing two weeks ago that I said that I was going to do, and it never happened. We're just not very good with willpower, which means that we're not very good with promises. And that's why we've constructed all sorts of commitment devices throughout human history. In fact, one of the earliest forms of literature is a legal contract. It's the Sumerian covenant form, which was a legal contract between somebody who had a lot of power and somebody who didn't have a lot of power. And even at an early age... In humanity, we said, we need this. Because people break their promises. And when people break their promises, it's not a good thing. And so we need something from the outside to keep us accountable for those things. We need something else from the outside to say, this is a sign of what I've committed to. This will remind me that I've committed to that. This will actually keep me committed to it. Well, God knew that we were horrible with promises. God knew that even back in the day of Noah. I mean, and there was no other way for him not to know that. Because the people of Noah's time, they had promised themselves as being people that would follow the word of God. Their forefathers, Abraham and Seth and Ham, they all all were saying, we are your people. But by the time that it gets around to Noah, which isn't much later at all, 
It seems like the whole world has turned evil. And so God sends the flood in to wipe away all of the evil. Which actually makes this story really disturbing. I know that there's all sorts of children's books about the story of Noah. But it's actually very frightening if you think about it. That all of those people, they made those promises to God and God called in those promises and said, you're not living up to your side of the bargain, so guess what? You're going to drown. It's frightening. It's frightening to think about the promises that we've made to God. Yeah, God will go to church more this, this year. Yeah, yeah, God, I'll, I'll, I'll pray more this year. Yeah, God, I'll, I'll be better to my neighbor this year. And all of those promises God at any point in time could call in and say, how are you doing with that? And you would probably have to stand there for at least one of them and say, well, not so good. God understands that about us. And so that's why God, interestingly, chooses to communicate with us in a way that actually has a commitment device attached to it. It's not like God needs a commitment device. But in order to explain to us more fully his commitment to us, he said, you guys get this. You guys understand contracts. You guys understand signs of things that show that I'm going to be faithful to you. So I'm going to speak your language. I don't have a problem keeping my promises. But you do. And for you to understand this, I am going to give you signs of my promise. I am going to give you, Noah, a sign of a rainbow that will say this frightening thing that happened, that you were able to see you and all of your family, that that's never going to happen again. And here's the sign of my commitment. Later on, Jesus Christ... Somebody else who didn't have a problem with willpower. Had a perfect will. Was able to say, I am so committed to humanity. I am so committed to the people here at University Lutheran that I am going to be born in a stable, be rejected by the people that I'm born into, And then on top of that, I'm going to allow other people to whip me and beat me and nail me to a cross. That's what I'm committing to. And he did it. And that's why we have the sign of his covenant here in this building. That's why the most prominent thing in this room is the sign of His covenant. That's our rainbow. That's the sign that shows us that He's committed to us. And because of that, we know that He loves us And that his promises are true. 
And that when this Lent ends, He's going to be there for us. And when this year of failed resolutions end, He's going to be there for us. And when this life ends, He's going to be there for us. And when this world ends, He's going to be there for us. He has given us His promise, His commitment, His signature. Amen.